And welcome back to another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. Always a great time when I talk to my guy, Tim McCormick. You know, even if we're talking about losses, this has been a season of ups and downs for a team that has a lot of youth and inexperience to trying to find their way. Talked to Phil Martelli about it. He said, yeah, we're learning a lot of lessons, but we need to start applying them. Meaning, this is uh, crunch time for this team if they're going to make any kind of push uh, towards something other than the NIT. Joining me, as I said, to talk about it like he does every single episode. He starred for the University of Michigan in the early 80s, went on to be a first-round draft pick, stayed in the NBA for a decade before getting into color commentary, and he is one of the best in the land, whether it's talking about college basketball or the Detroit Pistons. My friend, Tim McCormick. Tim, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Um, Love the snow. I I have to go walk, get my walkway cleaned up pretty soon. Not excited about that. But I'm also, I'm enjoying this Michigan team. I, I know that we've been spoiled with five straight trips to Sweet 16s, and that's the expectation. But I still love basketball. I love the fact that that sometimes things don't go exactly how you want. And that's always interesting to me. And I, I like to see little things like um, how freshmen are developing. How's the chemistry between, you know, your, your, your veterans and your young guys? How's the, the dynamics between the coaches and the players? Like all of that stuff is super interesting to me. And, and when I watch Michigan, I've got a lot of concerns and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like I, just because we're doing a podcast about Michigan basketball, I'm not going to say I love the way they play. They're, you know, they're good defensively. They can knock down three. Like, I'm not going to say that, but I still find it really interesting to see where they can go with it. Oh man, that's uh, you know, to me, that's one of the best parts about doing this with you is is you don't sugarcoat it. And you know, this is a something that I notice when it's whether it's doing it with Devin Vance or Al, the way players and coaches take it is different when it's coming from a guy who's done it right it's never taking a shot at a guy it's just you know breaking it down basketball wise and you do a great job of that keeping it very plain talking about what the outlook for this team is you've been saying it for weeks that I I just I, I struggle to see this be a tournament team and you were spot on then and that definitely applies now I mentioned my conversation with Phil and he was like, look, we got to start applying some of these lessons. And I was talking specifically about the Maryland game. I'm like you, I like to see, you know, see the progress of the team and, you know, see a one step taken after the one before it. So you feel like they're finding some things shooting wise and finding some things offensively, maybe ball screen coverage uh, is getting a little bit better in a game. I thought that was good against Northwestern, for instance. Then you come out in the Maryland game, Tim, and I, I, I need you to break this one down for me because I was alarmed that they got beat up in the paint to the extent that they didn't. It wasn't low post. It was dribble penetration, and it was almost at will from the start of the game to the finish. Let's go back to November. Um, we were both intrigued with Eastern Michigan to see Imani Bates. They had some guys that 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 were kind of exciting prospects, like they could have a chance to be impactful players. And I I walked away from watching that game, and I thought, you know, every team has certain characteristics. Some teams are good shooters. Some are really fast. Some like going inside. Um, Michigan's characteristic that I saw is they couldn't cover the ball. They they couldn't stand from dribbling. And I thought, 
that's a that's one that's hard to change. Like if you've got guys, if that's their DNA, then I don't know if you just make them good lockdown defenders. And the same thing happened against Lipscomb, and the same thing happened Ohio U, and same thing with Central. They struggle to cover the drives. And there are some guys that are really quick that you would think would be able to do it, and they, they can't. And that's what happened against Maryland, and, and that might just be who they are. They're not good stopping the ball. Um, some guys like to play offense more than defense. And, like, first play of the, 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 the game against Maryland, you know, Maryland drove and got to the rim. Um, first game, last outing, uh, it was it was against Minnesota, and I think it was Jamison Battle. First play of the game, they're in zone, and they completely leave him wide open. And I'm thinking, my gosh, it's the first play. The coach just, you know, kind of diagram what we're going to do. You, you can't let that stuff happen. And so I'm afraid it's part of their DNA. And they were soft in the paint, and they were not good on the boards. And, and Hunter is starting to roam around the perimeter a little bit because everybody knows that Michigan's offense has to go through him. He's going to get double and triple team. He's frustrated too. So there were, there were a lot of disturbing things about Maryland. And the thing that bothered me the most is after that Maryland game, the team needs to come out locked in and not get down 8 nothing and not struggle for the first 10 minutes of the game. Like That should have been, okay, guys, we – we learned our lesson. We're going to be good now. And it didn't happen. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that stuck out to me in the era, cause you, you mentioned Arizona state, uh, Lipscomb, Virginia, you know, all these teams were uh, no affair kind of Eastern Michigan. They were beating Michigan off the dribble. And admittedly, personally, my assessment was that had a lot to do with Jalen Llewellyn. It's not just a, that foot speed is not his strength. It's not his strength. Right? Yeah. right. And so, feeling like when Dougie went in there, he might give up size and it might be something when it comes to, you know, muscling, getting muscle to the rim at times and guys finishing through you at times, but being able to stay in front of uh, ball handlers, I, I thought that that would be um, an, an improvement. And so I don't want to get too carried away with the, uh, with, the, with the Maryland game and say that, man, that's how it's going to be. I just I thought by this point in the season, especially with some games under his belt, even if you're getting beat like that early in the season, and as a team, as a team, not just not just to single out Doug, as a team that they find some sort of patch <laughs> to to be able to like, hey man, hey let's make these guys shoot jumpers or something. Let's just play off. Let's do something different than letting them ole to the rim. Now I I, I ask you as a coach. You know, are there buttons you can push? Because you don't want to put it all on the players. Like, when they don't stop the ball in transition, that's a player thing. I'm not putting that on the coach. But if they can't find, you know, a, a patch in the half court to just stop the – they got to be 42 to 22 in the paint. I'm asking you, is there a coaching point in there that you can point to to say, hey, you know what, if we are in a game and teams are beating us up off the dribble like that, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, I would play zone, <laughs> and that 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 didn't work. I would play a really compact zone and and just contest threes late, um, but that's not Juwan's DNA. And in the Big Ten, that's that's pretty dangerous. You know, I was I was thinking about last summer, uh, 
And and let me let me start off by saying that yeah, I get the fact that Michigan's five and two and tied for second place in the Big Ten. That sounds great. Um, but I think if you're watching closely, you know what's coming. And that's what worries me a lot. Um, I'm not even talking about Purdue. I don't think they're gonna beat Purdue, even if Jet does play, but but Penn State and Northwestern are gonna be hard to win those games, especially on the road. And and last summer I was sitting in the backyard and and I saw these massive black clouds coming towards me. You know, it was still out in the distance. It was on the horizon. But you knew what was coming, you know. And, and an hour later, man, branches were breaking and lawn chair was flying around and it got really ugly. That's what's going to happen down the home stretch because Michigan plays good teams every game from here on out. And, and I just I, – I want to be positive and optimistic – but if you don't play defense, it's going to be hard. And I would tell Hunter Dickinson, I would tell my guards, okay, look, if Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer are going to drive by you, Hunter, just let them go. You know, I don't want I don't want Hunter to get dunked on because he goes to help and they throw it to Zach Eady, and then the next day everybody's saying, oh, Zach Eady scored forty points. How, how did that happen? Hunter must have been horrible. No. It's not Hunter's fault. The guards have to keep the ball in front of them. Yeah. Um, I mentioned what you talked about coming out. I don't know that Michigan started a game in zone all year. <laughs> and they started in yeah. zone against Minnesota, right? Yep. And you lose a shooter right away. Uh, you give a position in the paint, the next possession, score. Dawson Garcia, uh, elbow three. It's just like – you could tell, and this to me was maybe the first instance of it, because you look back, they had done a great job of putting losses behind them. I mean, they lost that Iowa game, came back the next game, and it's like I think it was um, Northwestern the next game. And it was like, okay, you know, they were able to put that behind them. And that was a very disappointing game. This was the first time where I could really see the carryover effect. And Phil admit, he said, hey, we, I could see it in practice on Saturday. You mm-hmm. know, it was it was late. We got back late Thursday night. You know, guys are kind of dragging. And you could see it, it took them a minute. Then they got a spark in the game. So you remember uh, the Michigan State game I asked you? I said, hey, we saw five minutes of Will Cheddar, Tim. But I like those five minutes from Will Cheddar. And the, the minutes they got from Will Cheddar and Terrace Reed in the first half of that game, they only scored 23 points. And you had two uh, two rolls to the basket by by Terrace Reed, and you had a drive to the basket by Will Cheddar. Those were big points where you only scored 23, and I thought they were a real spark for the team. I agree, and and you were one of the first people on Will Cheddar. I, I was later to come to his um, fan club, but I, I think he brings a lot of positive things. But the problem is that that Reed and Cheddar are bringing strength where Michigan's already pretty strong, right? We, we, need, we need guard play, and I, I think that that Terrace Reed and Hunter will play a lot against Purdue. Um, I, I think that Terrace will probably take Zach Eady a lot, and Hunter will change his role a little bit and be more of that elbow shooter and look for threes and set screens. I, I think that's a pretty solid plan. But the problem is, and, and this was on my mind a long time ago, when Llewellyn went out, I just thought, okay, now – we're in a precarious situation because if anything, anything happens to Kobe or Jet or Doug, 
this team does not have the perimeter weapons to be able to beat any good team, especially a Purdue who's number one or a really good team on the road. And that's where they're at now. And I just, like, what did Jet, I mean, what did um, Doug play, like 37, 38 minutes in the last game? You know, I worry about his health. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was tough. It was, there's so much of the, definitely when it's time to go get it, so much of that is, is on Jet. Now, I give the guys credit. Because they they did respond. They didn't hang their heads when when Jet went down. I want to talk to you about his injury coming up. Uh, And they got better defensively. Uh, Mm -hmm. So they they sort of found themselves and found some some pep in their step. But to to me, the second half of that game was more about the, the bigs, and in particular, Hunter Dickinson, who went into Dawson Garcia's chest, Tim. I mean, Dawson Garcia has just gone off a couple games ago against Ohio State, right? And he was on fire. And he can do that to a team. And because Hunter punished him so badly in the second half of this game, I don't know if something happened at halftime. Somebody had a pep talk. Or Hunter just said, I'm going to get mine. He was a man possessed, I thought, in the second half. And I thought that was the difference in the game. Well, Hunter has, has gone through sort of a, a rebirth. And I think he's figured a few things out. Uh you know the the twenty three and nine was was punishing and and I loved his free throws very clutch, but one of the things that I was noticing from him is that when you get double and triple teamed, you kind of get away from 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 your game and it seemed like Hunter was trying to get to the rim a lot. You know he hasn't had many dunks lately, has he? No, no. And early in the year he had a lot. Now all of a sudden the the next evolution in his game. And and I kind of call it like a junior Akeem Olajuwon. Like, you know how Dream had the dream shake where he would he would start to dribble with his back to the basket, and then he would take a reverse jump stop and freeze the defense with his shoulders, and he'd look this way and then go right to his jump hook. That's what I'm seeing more from Hunter right now. You know, catch the ball and say, okay, I've got two dribbles to get my shot off. I'm going to take a dribble to this shoulder, and then I'm going to come back and dribble again and just go right up with my jump hook. And that may not work against Zach Eady, but but it, it certainly works against most of the big men in the Big Ten. Just don't don't dribble eight times. You've got two dribbles, okay? Dribble, dribble, shot. Just go right into it. Because I still like Hunter um, taking a jump hook in somebody's face rather than Kobe Bufkin taking a wide open 15 foot jump shot. I just think I Hunter, I think Hunter's that good. So you say he's he's got to get into his move quicker. It sounds like what you're saying. Yeah, because the defense, you know, I think that every opposing defense is saying, okay, on his second or third dribble, you come because he's it's going to be hard for him to pass. You know, and, and it is hard because once he turns his back to the defense, he has no idea what's coming. If he can dribble twice, the defense isn't going to be there on time. Well, that was not the formula last year against Purdue. And Hunter played great against Purdue in both games. Almost clipped him down in West Lafayette uh, and then came up here and and wiped the floor with him. And it was because Hunter took Zach Eady away from the basket. They made him guard ball screens. They did some pick and pop. Hunter was really efficient from three-point range. You know they're going to borrow some of that from last year's game. The question is, A, can you replicate it? And B, do you get something from somewhere else to keep him honest? 
look, if Jet can play and Hunter can be in this game what he was last year and they're on their home floor, I think they got a shot. If, so, if, those are a bunch of ifs, though, I know. Okay, here, here's some thoughts. Uh, if you play Hunter and Terrace together, Zach Eady's not covering Hunter. You know, Ter- Terrace is going to get Zach because Zach's going to be able to play right near the rim. Um, I also think if if um, if I could talk to Jed, I'd say, man, don't play. Because I don't, I don't think they would beat Purdue with Jet Howard playing on a bad ankle. And, and I also have studied sprained ankles my whole basketball career. When a guy gets carried off the court, he's probably not playing. That's a serious ankle sprain. Um, I could be completely wrong. Like, I'm guessing. I, I didn't go to med school. I've never taped an ankle. But I just watch. I, I know that Jet is a warrior, and he's going to try to go out there. But the problem is that, that if you are playing on a really bad sprained ankle, then all of a sudden you wonder, well, well, how did he hurt his hamstring on the other side? Or, you know, why do you have the calf strain? Like, it, it just throws your whole body off. And, and I, would be more, I would be more likely to say, you know what, why don't you just, during the game, don't even come out. Just stay in the whirlpool, but put the ice on it, get the treatment, and let's see if we can get you ready for Penn State and Northwestern. Because those are, those are much more winnable games. So that's the 2023 Tim McCormick talking. I want to talk to the 1983 Tim McCormick. What does the yeah. 1983 Tim McCormick think about this? Because I think about Blake Blake Horm. Blake Horm didn't just tear his MCL walking out against Ohio State. The MCL was torn already. And he went on that field against Ohio State and gave it a shot anyway. You know how players are. That's a big game. And if, if Michigan is going to have any hope in the tournament, they got to start doing this resume thing. At some yeah. point, if Jet can, if he can hop, I think he's going to give it a shot. So, so I have played on five significant ankle injuries during my career. And part of the reason why I've had 10 knee surgeries, and one of those knee surgeries was a replacement. And the reason I need a new hip is because I just, I mean, if I could, if I could hobble up and down the court, I did. And it was not good for my body. And I think that if I would have if I would have taken time to heal after those, it would it would have helped my knees, my other ankle on the other side. It, it it's not it's not a good idea. And and I'm going to tell you what, if he was in the NBA right now, he wouldn't play for a month. They would, <laughs> they would they would sit, sit him out until March. <laughs> Come on, man! You know how the NBA is a whole different ball game, man. Load yeah. management. There's no such thing as load management when you play, was, was there? There was none. There was none. And it was a badge of honor to play 82 games. Like, that's what everybody wanted to do. But, hey, before we go on, h- how good has Doug been? How much fun um, ha- has it been to watch his development? And what a, what a good rookie battle. Like, there's some really good guards, some, some good perimeter players in the Big Ten that are freshmen. Yeah, so um, I like – the progress in Dougie's game. Don't you feel better about his jump shooting now than you did when he walked in the door? Can't you see the work that he's put in on his in-between game? Like, so I can see, you can see the signs. It's just a matter of finding some consistency. And that's going to be, that's going to be fleeting with freshmen, which is why when you look at guys like Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith and how consistent they've been, it's like, oh my God, 
I, I, that's one of the most impressive things about Purdue. Yeah, Zach Eadie's the the Big Ten Player of the Year. Uh, he's playing thirty plus minutes a game, which I'm. I was like, wow, that's that's a change for for Zach Eadie. But a lot of their success is because of the maturity of their guards. If 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 Dougie can can find some of that consistency, that's another feather in in Michigan's cap here down the stretch where they're playing a good team uh every night but I you know it was a tough game for him against Maryland for sure but that doesn't mean that he hasn't shown some some growth here since he took the reins of the offense he's done a fantastic job and and I I expect his jump shot to go in I wish that he would shoot it more and I think against Purdue he's going to have to do that think about this I'm certain that Hunter Dickinson's going to score 20, but it's going to be hard for him to score 30. And so since Purdue scores, what, 75 points a game, if Hunter scores 20, where are you going to get the other 55? You know, and and it's hard to see um, who's going to be able to, 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 to score big against Purdue. They're a very good scouting report team. They're not going to leave Joey Baker. They're not going to let um, – Doug get to the rim. Doug doesn't want to go to the rim with Zach Eady around there. And here's another thing that I was thinking, and I don't say this um, as a negative. I think it's very realistic. Let me ask you this question. If Doug McDaniel was on Michigan State right now, is he their third guard? Yeah. You know, is he, is, is he, is he maybe their fourth point guard? I mean, it, it takes a while to learn. So he's playing huge minutes on a team that expects to get to the Sweet 16 every year. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, man, I, I think I think that's why the onus is on on the other guys. They got to carry the consistency flag. And, yep. you know, you, you see it more so from Jet. They they need we, – we saw a, a spike there from, from Kobe where for a, a minute there – you were seeing Kobe put up some really efficient numbers. I think I think against wasn't he something like nine for ten or something like that against Northwood? I mean, he had a really efficient game, and then it was a tough week for Kobe uh, last week. Yeah. I give him credit for how he responded after Jet went down, but those other guys because because you know Dougie, this was a role he didn't expect. You Jet expected this role coming in. That's that's the, he's a freshman too, but you knew Jet was going to be a primetime player for Michigan heading into the year. Doug had to go in at midstream. So I, I, I cut him a little more slack, first as a freshman and second as a freshman that's been thrust into it. You're going to see some ups and downs and ebbs and flows. His teammates have to do a better job of covering for him, whether that's in the game against Maryland where he's getting beat off the dribble. I saw guys kind of talking, and they were getting on him. But, hey, man, you, hey, you know, sometimes – you're gonna have to pick up the slack for the young fella when he's when he's getting burned like that, and they weren't able to do that in that game. So I'm with you. I like his progress. It's tough to wait on development. Tough to be patient, but that's the position that we're in watching Michigan right now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so we're talking about meeting a veteran. Man, Joey Baker, this is his time. And and I worry because it looks like he's not very confident in his shot. He passed up some wide open threes to try to get to the rim and finish. Um, I'm not even talking about the, the breakaway that he missed. Like that, that, that happens. But he, um, he shot a wide open three and it was an air ball by a lot. And I just, I worry, I worry about his accuracy and his confidence right now. Another guy to keep an eye on is Isaiah Barnes. Like it, it's time to see what he could do. And I, I would love, I would love for them to say, you know what, Isaiah, we're going to start you against the number one team in the country, or, or we're going to get you 20 minutes against the number one team in the country. Are you ready to go? Can you show us what you've got? Like he needs a breakout game. I think that he would be a good candidate. Yeah, man. Um, you know, Isaiah Barnes is 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 an enigma. You know, he's shown some flashes. I think to the Carolina game, he came in and gave him a couple of big threes. But then there are other times where, you know, he's gotten the game and he's kind of shot too early mm-hmm. <laughs> in the shot clock mm-hmm. kind of thing. So you could tell that they're still trying to they they're still trying to find a role for him. Uh, he has some, some real talent. I think they've, uh, they've come to have more confidence in where he is in terms of the, uh, the scheme. And that was one of the things that Phil talked about. He said, you know, we are high IQ basketball team. You know, we, we rely on guys being, you know, being able to, to apply a lot on the fly. And so that, that was a journey that's been a part of the process for him but at this point uh you you got to feel like if if it's in there he's he's seen it enough and uh especially with Jed out they really don't have a choice that's <laughs> they really don't have a choice but to give him some more minutes in this game and hope for the best hope he has one of those nights where he gets out there and shoot it I'm curious about your your point on Joey Baker though I guess I was you know maybe I was, I'm wrong but I was like okay teams are playing him to shoot the basketball and he sees that he can attack closeouts, and that's not something teams are expecting him to do, and so he's taking advantage of the opportunity. But you think it's something different. You think it's just he's not confident in his shot right now. I don't think he's confident in his shot. He was one for six in his last game, and and I, I know that he's he's very well known, and they're they're running him off the three-point line. And I think what they're saying is, if Joey Baker is going to drive and try to finish against our big guys, we'll take that. They're not giving him any threes. And and he's too good of a shooter to to shoot an air ball with his feet set and nobody around him. I He needs to make his first shot. First shot, he'll be good. If he makes his first shot, he's going to get Michigan 10 points on Thursday night. If not, what is he, what is he going to do for you? Yeah. So uh, I know you were kind of alluding to who steps up if, if Jet doesn't play. The the two biggest candidates for me for maybe surprise performances, you mentioned one uh, in talking about, you know, Isaiah Barnes. I mean, um, he wouldn't be my first pick. My first pick would be Will Cheddar. You know, I, I know that much of the focus is on Will, I mean, on, on Terrace and Hunter playing together. But I think Hunter and Will playing together presents a different kind of challenge for for Purdue because now you got two guys that can shoot it. 
that you got to guard uh, at the three-point line. You know, obviously the paint's going to be compact. You 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 allow Zach Eady to uh, become more comfortable defensively. This is not understand. I love I love Terrence T. That's my guy. That's one of my guys on the team. Love T. But Zach Eady is not going to feel like oh man, oh, I gotta I I got Terrence Reed. I gotta cover. If he has to, I don't care who it is on the perimeter that he has to go out and contest the shot on, that's going to be uncomfortable for him, which is why I think if you play Hunter and Will together a little more in this game, it could be a little more taxing for Zach Eady in this contest. I, I think that Will Cheddar is a pretty darn good shooter. Like he, he, um, he was known as a scorer and a shooter in high school. And I think that playing against Caleb first, who's 6'10", or Mason Gillis, who's 230 pounds, that's a that's a pretty good matchup for him. Mm-hmm. You know, I was trying to think of – I was struggling when I was watching Will to come up with a comparison because there was somebody in my mind I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, you may remember Paul Jokish you I know, do. from Birmingham, Brother Rice, 6'8". He played wide out on the, on the football team, really good athlete. And, man, he played hard, and he sprinted all over the place, almost to the point where you say, dude, slow down a little bit. Like, it, it's hard to play basketball going full speed all the time. Um, I think that the next step in Will's game is to be able to change pace. And it, this is a horrible example. Like, Isaiah Thomas was the best ever at playing nice and slow and under control. Then he hit you with that burst, and you wouldn't even know what happened. He always changed speeds. I think from a big man's perspective that Will, that that's kind of the next part of his game I'd like to see. Yeah, so we talked about the same thing with, with Doug. You know, could he play at a different speed than just, you know, 100 miles an hour? Uh, that's part of the maturation process. I, I like his energy, and you're right. He's He was known more as a shooter than a guy who played in the, in the paint. Um, and so, you know, can that can that come up and give them with some – give them some points that we don't expect like you get you get double digits from from will cheddar in this game or you get double digits from isaiah barnes in this game no one will have seen that coming mm-hmm. and so that's the kind of thing that you're going to need in order to knock off that because i i think i know purdue is the number one team in the country now i think they've been the number one team in the country all year they they uh, they beat marquette they beat uh gonzaga and duke in back-to-back games they went to ohio state and took them out. I, I love you know what I think about Matt Painter. I think paint is the real deal. And you you look at the consistency. Think about this. You lose Jay Ivy. You lose Jay Ivy. <laughs> you have two freshmen in the backcourt, Tim. And you got the number one team in the country. That, Matt Painter can coach his behind off. And yeah. he re- he recruits to his style. He recruits to his thing, his scheme. And he it, it allows guys. You know, he, he and he has enough of a developmental program, too, that he he in, has some guys in an incubator over time. And so he's always able to slide some young guys in with, with some veterans that can really carry the mail. And it allows him to stay at or near the top, if, 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 if not the country, certainly the Big Ten on a year in and year out basis. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking uh, the other day I was uh, talking to John Beeline before uh, a Pistons game. And we were talking about player development. How long does it actually take? Because who's better than John Beeline at developing young talent? And so this is about the time that I'd love to see 
a Greg Glenn or Yo-Yo or um, Isaiah Barnes really start to get it and, and be able to go into a game and make an impact. And so far, you know, I, I think that, that Terrace Reed has certainly done it. Will Cheddar has, but they need somebody on the perimeter to take a step up. And that could include Kobe Bufkin going from being, you know, a, a pretty good yet inconsistent contributor to just 17 points every game. You just kind of know what he's going to get. That's the next step. And, and so now I think we're all calling for, guys, it's time to show that development what you can do on the highest stage. Yeah, so, hey, Bill said it best. He said, hey, yeah, we've been learning lessons. Time to apply. If, if we are going to do something, I, I'm not, those are, that's what I love about Phil. He doesn't sugarcoat either. Hmm. He said, hey, I, I could see that this team, there was a layover effect. Part of it was fatigue, and maybe part, it was part fatigue, part disappointment. And we didn't start the Minnesota game like we needed to. They found it. All right, now, no one has to, you don't have to worry about anybody getting up for this game, but you might be without, you know, your your best player, your best talent. So now what do you do? And so that brings me to the final question, Tim, the outlook for this team. We talk about it every episode uh, because it maybe the bar moves, NIT or NCAA. And it feels like the more we talk about it, the closer they get to being NIT and the farther they get away from being NCAA. So what's the outlook down the stretch? What are they in the Big Ten right now? Five and three in conference play. The, what's the what's the minimum is it is it 12 and 8 you know is it 13 and 7 what do they have to get to in order to be heading into the big 10 tournament be a team that is looking like a tournament squad so i mentioned five straight years to the sweet 16 um to get to the ncaa i think michigan needs to have 19 wins at the end of the regular season right and then you go into the big 10 tournament with hopes that you can win a couple games so with 12 games left to get to 19, that, that just basic math, Michigan needs to go eight and four the rest of the way. Um, and I know that there are nine quad one opportunities left on the schedule. Um, that's good, but it's also a negative because that means you're playing nine really good teams. And I just don't have a ton of confidence right now. Uh, man, if you had beaten Virginia or North Carolina or Kentucky, things might feel so much better. Um, but but right now, and, and also you add Jet to that equation. If Jet was healthy, I would say, yeah, there's no reason why this team can't get hot and, and you know, win four or five and, and gain some confidence. There's no reason why they can't they can't beat Purdue. But I just don't. I don't, I don't see without your, your best perimeter player knocking off a number one team. Um, last time it happened was in 2000. I was there right on the baseline in the first row. Man, I was jumping up and down. Sab tra- Trailer and Lou Bullock, were, they were hot, and they were playing Duke, and it was, it was an unbelievable environment. Um, but if you took Lou Bullock out of that game, you know, because he sprained his ankle, you're probably not going to beat the number one team. Right. You know, one of the best shooters they ever had in, in tractor trailer was an animal that game. Oh, I remember <laughs> I remember that vividly. So look, um Jet did not practice yesterday. Um uh, you know, we I would assume by the time uh, people uh you know see this this podcast, um we will have word on whether he practiced 
uh, Wednesday. I would I would expect that he didn't, but he is in meetings. He is in film. He is getting the mental reps uh, necessary to hey, if he's if he's healthy enough to to hop. Like I said, I think he'll give it a shot um, when when Purdue comes to town. So Sam, Sam, it. There's a there's a big difference. You asked earlier if I would have played. Jet Howe is a multi million dollar corporation. He he's he's going to generate tremendous income. He's he's a such a valuable resource, and and nowadays players aren't looked at as just athletes. Like he's a conglomerate, and and he he could. He could easily, just like his dad, be worth seventy or eighty million dollars someday if he develops into an all-star player that plays twelve years in the league. And I think when you think long term, that that's just why I don't think he'll play. Yeah, that would be a tough break uh, for Michigan. No pun intended. I, I just don't see they're gonna have a tough time beating Purdue, like you said. Anyway, uh, I don't. I think it's impossible. Uh, damn near, anyway without Jed in there. I, I want to ask you one. I want to sneak one Pistons question in before we go. Cause you were oh, talking no. to John just real quick, real quick, because you said you were talking to John Beeline and man, he, I had almost given up on Killian Hayes. I, I know the, the opportunity was born of injury, but it really seems like he's making the most of it. Uh, and I know John Beeline deserves a lot of credit for that, but I'm curious, just your perspective has your outlook on, Killian Hayes as a piece of the core, as a piece of the future, has that changed based on the way that he's played in the absence of Kay Cunningham? It certainly has improved. And and I will say this, I, I could see him being a piece, like as your sixth or seventh man, a first or second guard off the bench. Uh, I've had a lot of people say, well, he's averaging 15 points a game. That's really good. On every NBA team, somebody's going to score. You know they score 110 points. Somebody's gonna somebody's gonna get 15 to 20 points, and and I I think he's improved his jump shot. He's a very good defender. He can move the ball. I don't see him as a starter in the NBA, but I I think that he could be your first or second guard off the bench. Gotcha. And Sam, right. I'm I'm I'm, la- I'm laughing at you saying, well, you know, Jet he was in the video room and he was at practice watching. Like if you sprained your ankle, Sam, right now you could be doing, they, they say, well, Sam was doing the podcast. Maybe he can play. Tonight. Like, <laughs> hey, man, no, I said, no, no, but that's what Phil said. I asked <laughs> Phil a direct question. I said, can you give us an update on jet? He said, he didn't okay, practice, what he what, what but, he <laughs> but he's, he didn't practice, but he is, yeah, he's, 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 he's attuned to the game plan is what he's saying. Well, that's good. Phil, he know he knows what we're gonna do, so if he's if he's able to go, he it won't just be he won't be flying blind. He he's preparing himself mentally was the what I took from it. So. All right. Well, if I if I'm wrong and he plays and scores twenty and Michigan knocks him off, I want you to call me out in a big way. Okay, I, I want you to hold me accountable. <laughs> I got you, Tim. It's always a blast, folks. We'll be back next time, hopefully talking about a good week. For Michigan, they got, you know, obviously got this Purdue game. Uh, then they go to Penn State, take on a team that they just beat, uh, followed by a game at Northwestern, uh, another team that they just beat. And we'll see if they can maybe string together, uh, you know, 
some some good performances here. Find that consistency that has eluded them all season long. Until then, folks, I always tell you, if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. They can find it anywhere they get their podcasts. It's Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like the video. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. That helps us go and grow. It also gives you a notification every time we put up another episode. And as I always say, if you want to keep track of everything that's going on, football, basketball, and recruiting, the MichiganInsider.com is the place to be. Signing day around the corner on the football side. Michigan still in on some big-time prospects. You want to keep track over on the MichiganInsider.com. One dollar gets you in the door. Until the next time, folks, thanks for watching another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider.